Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start. Guaranteed Buenos dias, everybody. Sean Palmer, Seth Cayman's here. Seth and Sean Sports Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Buenos dias, Seth. Hola. ¿Cómo Buenos estás? dias. Uh, muy bien, gracias, Tito. Ah, muy bien, muy bien. The reason that we're talking in Spanish, ladies and gentlemen, is I am in Madrid. So a special time, 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. here across the pond in Madrid. And uh, I'm going to rely a lot on Seth this week, uh, as I've seen very little sports. But I have caught up through very uh, through blogs, knowing that the Islanders uh, fired their coach and general manager. Yay! We have a special song for that. Which also could be meant for the Mets season as well. Or the or the Cavalier season, or many other parts of the sports arena. It's been interesting to say the least. The three weeks that I've been gone on hiatus, last time we talked, I was basically falling asleep on a couch in Paris. But here we are today, and Seth, we need to start with exactly what happened last night. This is is this the end of? Cleveland's run. Uh, I, I, I can't see them coming back from 3-0 to zero, uh, at all. I don't think there's even a shot that they can do that. They lost game one on J.R. Smith being, well, J.R. Smith. And here we are with their backs against the wall. Yeah. Um, to me, this is similar to the last three years. There's only been one real series of pertinence in the NBA playoffs, which has been a shame because it's been such a good regular season in general. But the reality is that last year it was, it was more of – last year was really – no, it was going to be Cleveland and Golden State, and no one thought any other option was feasible. Two years ago it was uh, Golden State and Oklahoma State – in Oklahoma City um, – which exhausted Cleveland's uh, Golden State so much, where Cleveland kind of snuck in, you know, after the Curry injury and the Draymond suspension. Um, this year it was Golden State Houston, and all credit to Cleveland for getting there. Look, I don't know if they would have gotten out of the first round in the in the West, but uh, credit where credit is due. But this team is not very good. Um, they're not as bad as the 2007 Cleveland team, which got embarrassed by San Antonio and probably was the precursor for LeBron going to Miami. But this team, even on their best day, had no had a, excuse me had no real shot against Golden State if Golden State was playing their A game. 
Uh, sorry, I'm trying to figure out actually if I'm being pulled over. Okay. Well, Seth is, uh, yeah, Seth in the car, ladies and gentlemen, and he may be pulled over. So, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I'm in the car driving to work. Yeah. Hold on one. Is this car trying to pull me over? Are they trying to pull me over? Okay. In one of these stranger things I've ever, it's a weird, it's some kind of weird, uh, I don't know what the hell that was. Okay. Anyway. Um, so my apologies. Yeah. Cleveland's just, they're not good enough. Very simple. So I, I apologize. What was your last comment? Oh, no, I, I, I was. I think you got my last comment. I'm just actually more interested in you getting pulled over at this point because I'd like that to be on live radio, and then we can have the whole Here. discussion based on on, on how I you try and get – Sean, I can barely hear you. Okay, so can you hear me better now? Much better. Because I haven't yeah. moved. Okay, so I, I would like actually to hear you try and get out of whatever ticket you're on. You're, you're getting pulled over There is over no for, ticket. Because I think – is I think that would actually be better radio than anything that we're going to go through today. But that would be no, impressive it because I'd love to hear unfortunately it. For you, unfortunately for you and for our listeners, it doesn't look like it's a ticket. It looks like it's just some weird, I don't know, I guess color thing on the, not a siren because there's no noise. It's just a weird color thing in the front of his car. Um, and whatever kind of Hoboken car it is. Um so anyway, I mean, this series was over pretty much once Golden State beat Houston. You know, credit to Cleveland, and they very, they should have won game one. There's no question about that. They outplayed. They did outplay um, Golden State, and that's been the problem, is Golden State has not looked good. Curry was one for two for 15 last night. You know, Clay Williams was four for 12. You know, unfortunately, they're so talented, and this is the argument we had two years ago on July 4th when Durant came over to uh, Golden State, that it really doesn't matter. Well, hold on. So that brings me to my my next point. You're fading out again. So I haven't moved. So that brings me to my next point. My next point is very simply – can Kevin Durant, in your mind, be a top 10 player in NBA history? I was wondering when this question was going to come up. Um, it, came up it came up last night when I, when I actually saw most of the last three minutes of the game because I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning. And it came to me how, okay, he's going to win his second championship. He's probably on his way if they don't break up the team, to maybe one or two more. So he's going to have three or four. He went to a semifinal by himself with with Westbrook in in Oklahoma City. And if he keeps scoring at the pace that he's scoring at, he's going to be a top five all-time NBA scorer. So can he be a top ten player? The problem I have is it leads to the exact same situation, even worse, I guess into what LeBron did. And I feel a little hypocritical. Again, we're not asking, saying the greatest player of all time, but we're saying he's top ten. As a player, yeah, he's probably right on the precipice. Um, The problem is what he did. And, you know, 
I don't know anyone who holds him in the same regard now as they did three years ago, regardless of championship. You know, very simple. He took the easy way out. And while I understand that'll get him championships, and I understand he loves the Bay, and I understand, you know, it's just he's now a member of one of the greatest teams of all time, probably. It's hard to really – it's hard to rank somebody – when you know at their peak, at their apex, when they very much so took the easy way out, and it's the issue I have with LeBron. It's the issue I have with Durant. Okay. I don't okay. think I'll ever be able to. I I get it, but then you're going to look at most of the NBA at this point is going to start is doing this, right? I mean, if Paul George goes to Houston, or Paul, and does the same thing, or Chris Paul went to Houston and did the same thing. You're going to Chris Paul. Wait a minute. 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 Kevin Durant went to a 73 win team. Mm-hmm. LeBron James went to the team with his biggest against his biggest rival. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul went to a team with one star player. I and is not and is not trying to reach the greatest player of all time plateau. Or the best three you know, the best you know, Duran, the best three slash four of all time. You know, okay. they're not so I don't have to hold them to that level because they're never going to hit that level. And I don't find okay. what Paul did, you know, I don't, again, you're not going to the championship team to win the championship. You knew the second LeBron went to Miami with Bosch, that team was going to win at least a title. They bought a title. You knew Durant going to Golden State would unequivocally win you at least a title. You didn't know if Paul coming to Houston was going to win you a title. There was no foregone conclusion on that. So well, I, no I don't put it in the same category. They well, they haven't done it yet, so there's obviously no foregone conclusion there. So, yeah, okay. I, Sean, you're, look, Sean, you're fading I, out again. Look, I, I totally get what you're saying here. I mean, I, I'm, I'm in an understanding manner today. <laughs> it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon on a beautiful day here in Spain. I totally understand. Okay, so... We are considering the NBA Finals over, yes? Yeah, they're over. Okay, so when the NBA Finals comes over, uh, is over, then we have our favorite time of the season in the NBA, which is free agency. And we'll get to that in yep. a couple of weeks. We, 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 we have, um, in two weeks, we'll probably have, just to give everybody a little understanding of where we are, uh, on June 21st, uh, June 26th. I believe the draft is June 28th, so let me look that up real quick. NBA draft 2018. Uh, so the draft is on do, 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 June 21st. So June 21st is a Thursday. We'll be having our draft preview, not next week, but the week after on June 19th. And then we'll probably have our free agency preview on the 26th, so in two weeks. So I will be back probably, in the States. Yeah, on probably the, the World Cup and probably the World Cup next week, I would assume. Okay, well, the, the, the best thing, 
the the best thing about having a World Cup preview is Seth is responsible for finding a guest that will help me understand what the World Cup is all about. Um, I'll still be on the show, but I have absolutely no idea. And uh, I'll just be picking names out of a hat. So I'd really, I mean, I think Spain's pretty good. Maybe Russia. I, I don't really know. So we'll probably no, get somebody else that has Okay, we'll probably get somebody else that has some idea as to what the World Cup is all about. I am not that person, and we'll have that person on next week, uh, along with Seth and myself. So if anybody else would like to talk about the World Cup, please call in next week at 760-283-0846. If somebody would like to – sorry, yes? Yeah, the problem is, Sean, nobody can hear – once again, we can't hear you. I am talking straight into a microphone. I have no other way to do this. Okay, I'm going to call right back. Okay, then. All right, so I'm going to call right back. So go ahead. So I guess the question is, one of the big questions is, and Sean will come back and add his two cents, you know, momentarily, is there have been two points that have been kind of made, you know, the Michael versus versus LeBron, even in defeat, argument and number two it was funny someone on my facebook wall um who's a pretty knowledgeable sports guy has pretty much declared that Le- that curry and durant neither of them are top 20 players in the nba at this point and that they've ruined the nba now that i can kind of i i don't agree with but i understand because the reality was golden state prior to durant was this absolutely beautiful passing team and you still see spurts of it from time to time, as opposed to now where it just there seems to be a lot more ISO, uh, where just Durant or just Curry or just Thompson. And it is kind of a shame. And I know he was angry when I disagreed. So, Mr. Ziskin, if you want to call in, 760-283-0846. Um, I've just decided that the Michael-LeBron argument is stupid. There's no answer. Um I can never personally put LeBron number one because of what he did going to Miami, but I understand the argument. From a talent perspective, he probably is the greatest player of all time. Um, but his teams are three and seven or three and six in finals, and you know, and he doesn't. You know, there are things he does better than Michael. There are things that he doesn't do better than Michael. I really like my point of just make your all-time top five team and put them both there. And what the heck is the difference? Um, mine is relatively straightforward. I would have Magic at the one, Michael at the two, LeBron at the three, and then either, and I may have said this last week, I forget, then either Duncan or Russell, uh, depending on if you can play Russell at the four, which I believe you could in this generation. And then if you put Duncan at the four, then you have Russell at the five. If you put Russell at the four, you put Kareem at the five. Um, and that's it. You know, he, it's hard with me with LeBron because of the move to Miami, and then even the jump back to Cleveland, because he jumped, I mean, let's be honest, after Miami had seen their best days, after they had been embarrassed by San Antonio in the final, Bosch and Wade were not what they were four or five years previously. And he was going back to a team that had, that traded for, for Kevin Love, who, although not playing at the same level he did in Minnesota, They've still been a relatively consistent all-star. They had Kyrie Irving, who was a player unlike anyone he had ever really played with. You know, him and Wade were nowhere near similar players. Um, 
and now it'll be interesting. You know, we've talked about this a little bit about where he's going to go, whether he's going to stay. You know, and we'll get back to that shortly. Are you back on the call? Yep, I've been listening to your. Uh, I've, I've been listening to your top five, and I love how you say. I kind of like my own idea. I would hope so. That's I'm, a, that's a, that's a good I'm one. tired of the magic. Look, I have on sports radio or sports TV a lot at work, and all they're talking about is magic. Is Michael versus LeBron? You missed it. It sucked. It's terrible television. Nobody has a legitimate answer one way or the other. They're probably they just don't. So why bother? It's just it's just going to be a pointless argument. It's not a Gretzky where there's an unequivocal number one. And that's not even unequivocal because people people to this day say that Bobby Orr was just as good. That's not unequivocal. It is to me and you, but you and I are not everybody. Very, very few people put Bobby Orr at the same level as Gretzky. Usually you have your top four of Gretzky, and then you have, Lem- then you have Orr, Gordie Howe, and probably Mario Lemieux. It's like what, tier of one tier of three, and then kind of the next tier down is when you get into the, you know, the top five to ten, and there's certainly nothing wrong with that, but very, very rarely do you hear arguments, I think, of or over Gretzky at this point, or ever. I don't think they ever took place, except if you're from Boston. <laughs> you took those words right out of my mouth. Well done. Oh, there you go. Well done. So, okay, so, so obviously we have uh, we have the NBA finals over. A- as I was saying before, before I got so rudely interrupted by my co-host who said nobody could hear me. Uh, next week we're going to talk about the World Cup, in which Seth will get somebody else to talk about the World Cup instead of myself. <laughs> uh, th- now you laugh. That I thought I was going to get that laugh the first time I said that. Then I could. Bear- I- I can barely hear you the first time. Now I can hear you fine. So Then the following week we'll have our uh, NBA draft preview and then the following week our free agency pre- preview, which will also include some of the hockey. Uh, and when I say the hockey, I'm hoping that will, that will be the re-signing of one John Tavares. Lou Lamarillo is now the general manager of the New York Islanders, which I know we talked about a little bit last time. The Islanders have fired their coach, Doug Waite. They have fired their general manager, Gar Snow, and all is well in the world. Well, all is well in the world until John Tavares resigned because well, it doesn't matter what you do if he's not coming back to the island. It really doesn't. No, it doesn't. And, and uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a guy who listens from time to time, Mike Nirenberg, who is asking if we were going to open with this because he's as big an Islander fan as you are. And – my question is, did, did Lou fire Chris Lamarillo as well? That would be very funny. Well, from what I, I don't think he did that. <laughs> uh, I haven't, they, they didn't announce any of the assistants and if they, and if they got fired or not. But my ho- uh, I would think that he probably did not get fired. <laughs> Nepotism is alive and well in Uniondale. Or wherever, I guess, oh. or in Brooklyn. Or wherever wow. the heck you guys are going to be at this point. Well, they're playing 20 games in Uniondale this year, so that's a good thing. You and I can go back and see the new stadium. It actually has been redone. It's no longer RBI Baseball 1994. So Best we scoreboard could, we could ever. Watch. 
Wasn't it, though? It was like watching Tony, oh, it was so funny. It was like watching Tony Armas hit a home run off of Oil Can Boyd in RBI baseball. It was great. It was a Nintendo screen. But, okay, it so but to be fair, okay? Okay, take away, the, take away the scoreboard. Take away the fact that there were springs up your butt in the seats. You were as close to a game as you will ever get to any game. And you don't sit that close to any game anymore. There was not one bad no, seat in that house. Dude, it was a crappy arena. If, if your argument is, okay, the only reason that that, that the place is Wait a good... Is because I can watch the game? Most... Yeah, I'm saying if that's the only argument you have is we had good seats, and by good seats meaning, you know, kind of second tier, you know, middle, there are a lot of other stadiums that have pretty good seats. So what we're saying is the only reason that the stadium is good is because it was small. Right. Well, I think that, and that's, I don't disagree with that, that fact. I think that, look, do people enjoy old Yankee Stadium or new Yankee Stadium? And new Yankee Stadium is much nicer than old Yankee Stadium. But I don't know one person, one Yankee fan, that enjoys new Yankee Stadium more than old. Do you? Yes, you. Okay. Because Yankee Stadium, the old one, was very close to the field. Everything was very intimate. And it sounds awful saying intimacy in a baseball game, but everything was very intimate. Well, yeah, you haven't, you haven't said it for any other reason for a while, so. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Dude. Oh, boy. How far, how far am I away from you? Because I got, like, laser. I, I got, like, yeah. How far am I? I'm, like, 20,000 miles away. Oh, boy. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, if, you, if you'd like to call in and have the exact same conversation with Seth, 760-283-0846. Um, oh, come on. I haven't, I haven't had a, a Sean girl comment on the show in a while. So every once in a while, they just open themselves up for me. Um, but anyway, no, I understand your point, but... I don't think that's a reason that makes it a great arena. I don't think anyone thought the original Yankee Stadium was a great arena. It had character and charisma, and the, the new one doesn't. And no one is saying, okay, well, the Brooklyn, you know, the Barclays Center has been a functionally wonderful place for Islander hockey, even knowing it's newer and bigger and cleaner. Um, you know, it, which is why they're moving to out to Belmont at some point, I assume. Um, after, what, two years? So, I mean, you know, it's not, it's not, but just because you're small doesn't always mean that it's a better place. It's a better place because it's where you grew up going with your brothers and your grandfather to the game, which is fine. It's like I enjoyed going to Brennan Burn Arena with my dad to watch the Nets, typically to lose. But, to say, like, there was nothing attending the game well, the, only, the coolest thing about it was seeing the diehard fans. And they were diehard. That was neat. And you don't get that 
to the same degree in a 20-person arena with 30 to 40 or 25 miles away from where your base is located as opposed to NASA, which was literally right in the heart of your base. That's all. Okay. I'm just going to leave it at that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, so I've kind of been out of New York for a while. Uh, it's been 21 days. So I really have absolutely no idea what's going on. Other than the fact that the Mets, who started out at 12-2, and two, I've been repeatedly been getting text messages from my friends going, the season is over. <laughs> and that's not good text. I don't like hearing that. And But the way I've looked at it on the scoreboard is, yeah, the season's over, and it's, what are we, in the seventh day of June, which is kind of hard when we went 12-2. and two. Are the Yankees doing any better? Because I believe that they are, and Major League Baseball has actually been increasing in population because of younger players. So I find that all sorts of interesting compared to the NFL, which we'll get to in a second, which I believe is going to lose fans, lose more fans, and lose even more fans over the course of the next year? Uh, the Yankees are doing fine. Um, they they're, have about a 650 to 700 winning percentage. They're about a game or two behind Boston, who just continues. Both of these teams are just racking up win after win after win. The question is, when the, the expectation is the Yankees, who just lost Jordan Montgomery to Tommy John surgery, are probably going to... Um, are going to pull the trigger on some kind of starting pitching trade. Um, you know, there's not a lot of space behind Severino. And even Severino, to me, you know, while a solid, you know, I don't know if he's the ace on a, on a championship winning team. Behind it. So whether Sebastian is old, Tanaka knows Gray has been disappointing. They have a lot of youth, obviously. Their, their, their farm system is top five. And the question is, what is out there? Can you trade for Madison Baumgartner? Can you trade for Patrick Corbin, who said repeatedly he wants to play for the Yankees where he grew up? Can you trade for a Hamels or a Tyson Ross? You know, I mean, I don't think that really moves the needle very much. But at this point, really, we're bidding time. We are. In the, I mean, the American League, the only real surprise is Seattle, you know, has kind of held the lead over Houston for a while the West. Cleveland is sleeping their way through the AL Central. But it looks like for all intents and purposes you have five of your six teams in, in the playoffs already, um, which is hard to say in June. Um, the West, the Central is terrible. The East, you really have two teams. And the West, you know, California has been good. I wouldn't be surprised to see them as the, you know, California has been good. So, you know, it, it, I, but I, unless Seattle falls, it looks like you're looking at a California or Seattle for the wild card. I can't imagine they, Houston's not going to overtake Seattle at some point. And your American League is done. That's it. The National League is a bit more interesting because the Dodgers have fallen back. Washington's been disappointing. So at least it's, you know, who figured Atlanta would be leading the division at this point? So at least the NL, there's some interest. American League, you're really you are waiting to see what the trades are, and you are waiting for September and October. And even yeah. as a non, yeah, you know, baseball fan, it's just funny. Make it even worse for me. 
Yeah, I was listening to your uh, your. I dude, I think you're living like five years ago when you named some of those pitching helps. So. Well, that's exactly uh, the Cole point. Yeah, Cole Hamels is not a, a. Cole Hamels won't move the needle. You know, of of all the pitchers that you mentioned, Baumgartner is the only one that would do move the needle. And in order for Baumgartner to leave San Francisco, you might have Baumgartner. I believe got two more years in that contract at like thirteen million a year. You're gonna have to yeah, give up. Yeah, the best contract in baseball. Yeah, you're, you're gonna have to. Well, Mike Trout is the best contract in baseball, but yeah, you're gonna have to give out a ton of prospects, a ton of youth. And the way that the Yankees have hoarded youth in the past couple of years, deservingly so. I don't think they're going to do it. Yeah, I just don't think that they're going that far. But I, I get, look, as you have mentioned numerous times, the baseball season is very, very long. <laughs> so we, we have a long way to go. Well, we have we have we have a long way to go, but teams that are in first place and teams that are in the playoffs in Memorial Day generally stay there. So here we are, two months in out of a six-month process, and as you said, the American League is pretty much done. But let's move on to the National Football League. So I have yet to talk to you since two things happened. One, the NFL decided to make their whatever policy they call it in regarding the national anthem. And number two, that betting has become legal in the United States on sports, anywhere and everywhere. And on the first day of betting, legal betting in Delaware, where only three casinos were taking bets and there was no NBA, there was no NHL. So basically there was only major league baseball. This, the, State of Delaware took in $322,000 in bets. Now, for many of you that have never been to the state of Delaware, you can drive through it in 10 minutes on I-95. <laughs> if, you're going six, if you're going 68 miles an hour, you can drive through it in 10 to 11 minutes. If a state such as Delaware, without any online presence so far, just three casinos can bring in $322,000 on a day where there is absolutely no big games going on. How big is sports gambling going to be? It's going to be enormous. And it's going to be a further degeneration of our, you know, look, I am, a fan of sports gambling, I enjoy it. Not that I do it very much other than fantasy at this point. But the problem is, as we know, the house typically wins. And it will be, it's going to be a very dangerous proposition for people. The good, the, should it have been legal? Probably. I'm not a legal scholar, but to me, if you have it open in one or two states, you probably should have had it open everywhere. But, you know, I also see the handwriting on the wall with how this is going to play out, where people are going to lose their livelihoods. Because people don't do this stuff in moderation. 
get older and your life becomes a little bit more status quo. Of course, I'm saying to the to the guy spending the last four weeks he'd be traveling to Europe, the bastard. You know, there are very few pick-me-ups that you can get on a daily basis. And one of them is betting sports, if you're a guy or a girl. But for the most part, most of my friends who do who bet gamble on sports are guys. Whether it was a daily thing like daily cadence or fantasy football or whatever it is. And you could throw a couple bucks here or a couple bucks there. And, it, you know, it probably was no harm, no foul. It was more just an excuse to be able to do it, to hang out with your friends. As I'm talking from personal experience, of course. But now you're looking at, okay, I can drive an hour to the sands in Pennsylvania and, you know, put down, you know, on any given day, this is the availability is bigger and bigger and for more and more stuff. And while from a legality standpoint, I don't think, I think it's right. I just don't, I don't see it helping our country very much. I think it's going to be a problem. I think, you know, there have been, there have been studies that have shown that, like, near, you know, when you're within a certain vicinity of casinos and things along that, because there's obviously this is going to probably lead to more casinos opening in more places. But you're going to have alcohol is up. Uh, crime in general is up because people are going to lose money and money that they don't have. So it's, I, I wish it didn't pass, and God knows I have been critical enough of anything, of a lot of things in this realm over the last couple of years, but I don't think they're wrong. I, I, I don't see how you can have it only okay in one state, which is state. I just don't. So I'm okay. Like, I'm worried about it. I think it's a concern, but I think they probably, I, I don't, I, I think it had, I'm not surprised it happened. Okay, I, I totally get that. Um, look, will it be a problem? It'll be a problem as much as any other problem, right? I mean, gambling is gambling. And whether you're playing blackjack or you're betting on sports, you're going to have to tolerate it and you're going to have to moderate it. And, yeah, it'll be a problem. Uh, no question. I mean, will this help curtail gambling? I don't know. Because, you know, the thing is that when people gambled before it was illegal and you had bookmakers, you had your local bookie, there was a lot of broken bones probably for certain people in which they were not, they were putting out bets that they just didn't have. If you bet through a casino, you have to have that money. You have to put it down. So I'm not necessarily sure that, that I, obviously it will not curtail gambling, but will it, Will it make it so it's proper? Well, will you have, I think you'll definitely have less illegal gambling. You'll definitely have less bookmakers. I think the, I think the bookie went out of business a couple of weeks ago in which that, that job, much like a ticket scalper, almost is irrelevant at this point because of, that, because of things that you can now probably, I mean, you can, within a year, you're going to be able to gamble on your phone. You're going to be able to place a, a, a bet during a game on a specific at bat. Yeah, probably. That's now. Here's the thing that bothers me. That's going to detract from the game. So 
you get you get a lot of people that say, I am less of a fan of football, but because I play fantasy football. I can understand that. You and I go to a bar, we don't necessarily care who wins sometimes, right? We care that Le'Veon Bell has 100 yards. We don't care that Pittsburgh wins or Pittsburgh loses. We honestly couldn't care less. As long as they're not playing the Patriots, I don't care who, who wins or loses. I just don't want – I want Le'Veon Bell to have 100 yards. Yeah. So to that point, I think when you have more in-game betting, in-game betting – I think you have less attention paid to the game itself. And more attention paid. And that was the point I was. So. That was the point I was going to make. Except you faded out for the first 15 seconds of that. And, and what okay. happened is people don't people don't like football as much as they used to. Forgetting the anthem, and we'll get to that momentarily. When we were five and ten and fifteen years old, you watched football because you enjoyed watching football. And you rooted for the Giants or the Jets, and occasionally that was really all you got. You couldn't really go to the sports bars. There was no Thursday night or Sunday night. With the Gi- if you lived in New York or New York vicinity, it was the Giants that won, the Jets at four typically. And then, you know, you'd have the Monday night game. And now, as you said, our attention span is so limited. Because, and Sean and I are perfect examples of this. You know, I'm a Giants fan. I do root for the Jets. Sean's a Jets fan. He, under no circumstances, really roots for the Giants. But That's not true. Whoa, you know, whoa, whoa. Typically, you do not root for the Giants. That's you not really, true. I'm a bigger – I root for the Jets more than you root for the Giants. Let's put it down. That's a better if way it, to put it. If I, if I am watching a game and the Giants are playing, I will root for the Giants 100% of the time. 100%. That surprises me. Okay. 100%. I will root for the Giants against anybody but the Jets. 100%. Okay, continue on. Then I take it, then I take it back. But the reality was, and even when, we, when I was younger and started going to the sports bars to watch the games, I went to watch the games because I enjoyed watching football. Now I go, and it was funny, I was at the bar that Sean and I used to go to we were both living on the Upper West Side. I was there Tuesday night. Of course, he was in Prague or somewhere, wherever he was, in Madrid. And, you know, what do we do? We were, what were we really looking for when we go the last three or four years, two or three years? It was all about our fantasy team. It wasn't about, oh, this is a great game. It was, oh, uh, Julio Jones just caught a ball on the 20-yard line. Damn it. Priest Holmes scored a touchdown. I'm playing against him in one week. You, you, Please you need home. a lot of the game. Yeah, I pulled that one out of my ass. You know, Please you, home. Little didn't come to the forefront. Priest Holmes was was good when Cole Hamels was a front line pitcher. Okay, <laughs> continue on. Again, but that was when we were going. But that was more when we were going to the bars, as opposed Agreed. to now my, my boring soon to be suburban yeah livelihood. So I mean, you know it's. You're, but you're paying attention to getting. I'll give you the get Larry Johnson. Hey, score run for 100 yards, okay? Even earlier. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, exactly. But it, the, the gist is, we're not watching this great Kansas City Pittsburgh game. All I'm really concentrating on is Sammy Watkins or Tyree Kill or whoever it may be. So it has taken away 
is football, while is in a bit of a decline due to other issues, has the, has the threshold where they can handle the loss and are still making enormous amounts of money and still have a, a, a significant, a huge popularity. Baseball doesn't have that. Baseball drops drop from the number one sport to the number four, three, five, you know, over the last 20 years. They have a, they have a very small minority reach outside of Venezuela, the Dominican Republic, and the Latin American countries. People find the sport, to be honest, on a day-to-day basis, and I'm one of them, dull. The difference with it, it may is even though like, people may not enjoy the game per se more, at least with baseball, it'll probably catalyze some interest, which it needs. Mm. Okay, I could I could see that. I could see that. I mean, I th- I think football is probably going to bear the brunt of most of the betting. I think you're going to see a whole lot of betting on football more than you will on any other sport, but that's because that's why fantasy football is so much more popular than anything else. It's, well, it was, I won't say it is anymore, but certainly was one day a week. Now it's two to four <laughs> days a week. So, uh, but I, I totally, and more importantly is college football is going to skyrocket in betting. I mean, I think you're going to affect college football more than any other, anything else of any other sport, college football is going to be bet on nonstop. I think that's where you're going to see the most wagering is on college football because everybody has their college, right? Not everybody has, not everybody has a, a pro football team, but everybody has a college. So I think you're going to see even the smallest college. I think you're going to see a lot of wagering on that type of thing. So. I don't know if gambling is the best thing, but it certainly was coming. I think it was it was going on anyway. It just happened to be illegal. Now it's now it's legal, and you're going to get it on your smartphone. Guarantee you will have it on your smartphone. And as you said before, people are going to get into trouble because you're going to be betting, thinking that you don't have to give money, and you're just going to have money being taken out of your account each time. Each time you lose, you're going to think it's more like monopoly money. And then one day you're going to turn around, your bank account's going to be at zero. Because you don't have any money left. And that will be a huge problem. And it is part of the reason that it is unlikely, I would put probably a 10% chance that I would ever bet on a sport using my smartphone. If not, if not less than that. I think that would be the greatest chance that I would ever bet on a sport using my smartphone. Because I've incorporated, uh, look, of any person that can get into trouble gambling with sports, I think I would be in that top 5% if I ever started. So there's a, a way that I deal with that and a way I've always dealt with it, which is fantasy leagues and, and pick'ems. But this is, look, we talk about gateway jobs. This is a gateway to bad stuff. <laughs> Smartphone gambling is going to be a bad thing, but it's coming. So you just got to be aware of when it happens. All right. Let's move on to the NFL. And our lovely president. I say that with sarcasm on top of sarcasm on top of sarcasm. 
And Seth, I don't know if you are aware of this, but there are several laws in many states that will probably be challenged because if you read the law technically, and I got this a lot from profootballtalk.com, Mike Florio is also an attorney, those laws could be construed as you cannot prevent somebody from kneeling on the sideline of a, of a football game. This didn't get this. This didn't get better. This got worse, a whole lot worse. Of course it did. But that was that was the goal. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. If it was if 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 forty if our esteemed leader was not our president, none of this would be happening. And we all know this, and we can you know kind of jump about it all you want. But the reality is, we all know why this is happening. We all know what this entails. And it's silly, and it's ridiculous. And, you know, for a guy to be discussing his patriotism while he can't sing God Bless America, I find hysterical. Um, He's a damn joke. The rule is a damn joke. And the owners for going through with it are a damn joke. Is that is that clear enough? Or am I it's being clear enough? But I don't. I, I'm more interested in what you think is going to be the the ramifications of this. Do you do you think that there will be? I think it was hysterical that our lovely esteemed leader um, kind of talked about the fact that he won't have anybody that kneels coming to the to the White House withdraws his his invitation to the Eagles, and the Eagles didn't have one guy that kneeled last year at all. I, I, I actually love that, that that never happened. Um, I think it's just a matter of where do you think it goes from here? I think... Oh, sorry. Where do I think it goes? I think... I think nobody's going to come out for the anthem. Nobody. Um, Wait, nobody? I think they're all going to stay in the locker rooms at the end of the day, or or 80% of them will. Wow. Um, Because, I mean, the ironic part is until 2000, was it 9 or 2010, they all stayed in the locker rooms prior to the national anthem regardless. Mm -hmm. Um, And... It's going to be very difficult, I think, for people to come out. Now, they may do something within the locker room that we don't see. But I think it's going to be very difficult in this extraordinarily um, fragile environment, I guess, for lack of um, I don't know. I, I shouldn't say that. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't have a clue. But all I know is that I find it, and I'm going to have to leave actually unfortunately after the shot. Um, I'm going to have to okay. do this issue. You're completely broken um, up, so I'll just take it from here. No problem. I'll just take it from there. Yeah. So. Thanks, man. No problem. All right, we'll talk to you next week. Get 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 a World Cup uh, expert on. 
because I, you, you are talking French to me much the way I talk French right now. So get, get me a World Cup guy, okay? I guess he's gone. And see you, Seth. So the point that Seth was trying to make is we don't know where this is going, and I totally agree with that. I, I was actually quite surprised where he said where he believes, and we'll have to explore this more, in that nobody will come out for the anthem. That is a, I'll have to get with him a little bit more on that. That's a strange, strange thing that I would, wow, nobody would come out for the anthem. How would, how would the U.S., how would the world take that? I think it would take it as a slap in the face. I don't necessarily believe that that's true, but I think it would. I think the, the world would. I think that the U.S. people would. And you know our president certainly would. So I think that that, wow, that's interesting. Anyway, so for those that have been following the show, I have been traveling for 23 days. Seth has been mentioning this. Uh, I've gone from London to Paris to Munich to Vienna to Krakow to Prague to Berlin, and now I'm in Spain. And in a couple of days, I will be off to Lisbon, uh, to Portugal. And it's been interesting to stay away from sports for a while and to reset. And like I said before, I haven't watched a game. Last night I watched the game cast of the last five minutes, but I've yet to, I have not watched a game since I was in Munich and I watched a soccer game. I think it was the, uh, the, the uh, FA uh, Finals. I think that or some league's finals where Real Madrid won. That was the last sporting event that I saw. And before that, I hadn't watched anything for two weeks before that. Just a very interesting step aside from sports. And considering the fact that I love sports, so sports is, is a great part of my life. Um, I like having conversations. I really enjoy watching sports and playing sports when I'm able to. Taking a step back and seeing what people go through on a daily basis, enjoying life for what it is, and not spending time on fantasy leagues. Look, I, I checked mine every once in a while, but I didn't spend a whole lot of time on it. Or talking with my friends about the Mets' downfall or the Islanders getting a new coach. Obviously, my brother informed me of that, and I was jumping for joy in Paris. But the fact of the matter is, sports is a backseat. Travel is a backseat too, but sports is a backseat. It should, it should always be a backseat. It should be a reprieve. And we were talking about gambling before and how gambling is also a reprieve. But sports and gambling, they do go together, but they also should stay very separate. So that's what I got. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to shut off now. For Seth Kamins, this is Sean Palmer, BackSportsStage.com, Blog Talk Radio. Again, next week we will have our World Cup preview the following week, we will have our NBA uh, draft preview, and the following week after that, we will have our NBA and NHL free agency previews. So we have a good amount of, co- good amount of stuff coming up on the show. So next week, I'll be back in the United States. We'll have it at our regular time, 7.30. We really thank you for joining in on this special time, 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. in España. And I bid you buenos dias and adios.